the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Thank you and a good afternoon. Welcome. Good to have you with us. Five minutes after the hour of 5 p.m. here on your uh, basic Wednesday afternoon. Made it halfway through the week. That's uh, certainly good news to the 15th of February. To be precise. Hey, a couple of things I want to mention before we dive into today's program. We've got some great guests with us, but I I, I want to first um, comment on something very briefly and then share a very fascinating, I think, ultimately encouraging piece of news for you. The, The comment is, you might have read about this, Buffalo Bills safety Damar Hamlin is now apologizing for wearing a jacket at the Super Bowl that had a depiction of Jesus on it. Hamlin attended Super Bowl 57 Sunday and sported a leather jacket with an abstract picture of Christ on the cross and underneath the word eternal. Hamlin said his intentions were not to hurt or disrespect anyone. All of this coming in response to comments from former NFL running back Adrian Peterson, who called the jacket blasphemous on social media. Maybe maybe what's blasphemous is people commenting on such things. I mean, has it gotten to the point in this country where if you wear a cross around your neck as a symbol of your faith or an Ixus symbol on your, on your lapel or... Even a jacket emblazoned with a depiction of Christ and the word eternal, that we have to be afraid of the snowflakes out there that are going to find it very offensive to the point of calling it blasphemous? Really? Well, Damar, I understand you're trying to kind of spread some oil on the water, but uh, brother, I disagree with you. I think that uh, some of these folks sometimes just need to learn to get over it. Interesting, fascinating news. One last story. One that I think will encourage your heart. A chapel service that was held a week ago at a small Christian college in Kentucky has turned into a marathon prayer session. Get this. Asbury University President Dr. Kevin Brown described the February 8th service as very ordinary and unremarkable. Following the chapel service, a few students remained. Then more and more entered the chapel throughout the day and the evening. Videos now online have led to many more traveling from as much as a thousand miles away to join in what some are calling a revival. Brown said at least two-thirds of Tuesday's 3,000 worshipers (laughs) were out of state, from out of state. Brown also noted the schools deliberately not promoting the ongoing prayer service as an official college event at an abundance of respect towards the experience of our students. Well, I say praise God. That's encouraging news to see a spontaneous gathering and particularly this sense of enthusiasm and fire being lit under 
um, college-age students in Wilmore, Kentucky. Now just pray that God will take that and multiply it all across the nation. All right, let's get down to cases. Lots to uh, to talk about on the program tonight. And one of the things that I want to call to your attention, that this is something that was sort of, I, I guess, seared into my mind when I first saw this. It was during one of the election cycles some while ago. And oddly enough, it was a... A minister that was being interviewed pertaining to his support for one of the candidates and the, and the, the topic of um, marital dalliances came up. And the comment was made about one of the candidates that this particular preacher didn't find this individual uh, too terribly um, trustworthy of a high-level political leadership position because they allegedly couldn't keep their house in order so how could they be expected to keep the people's house in order meaning the country um, because after all this individual had quote unquote allowed her husband to behave the way he did close quote I was stunned watching the TV set but sadly enough this kind of mentality is quite prevalent out there that somehow Women who find themselves victims of betrayal um, suddenly become victimized all over again because as we seek to try to find answers, oftentimes we heap guilt and shame upon the victim, effectively allowing the perpetrator to get off scot-free. And of course, this kind of trauma just snowballs and ultimately poisons the relationship and and sadly oftentimes um, the entire marriage. Well, this broader topic is going to be discussed at a very special workshop that's going to be placing, uh, taking place in Irvine uh, February the 24th through the 26th. It is uh, being put on by our friends at New Life Live. Of course, Steve Arterburn, the program you enjoy each weekday at 1 o'clock here on KFAX. Joining me now is a member of the Board of Directors of New Life Live, a Restore Workshop co-presenter, certified therapist, Therapist, best-selling author. In fact, her latest book, co-written with the uh, speaking of Steve Otterburn, um, called "Understanding and Loving Your Child as a Single Parent," new to release just uh, late last year in 2022. And we're pleased to have Stacy Sadler join us today. Stacy, welcome. Thank you, Craig. It's great to be here with you. That scenario that I described and my, my sense of oh. just, I, I, I recoiled at the notion. But, you know, sadly, I'm learning that that is, quite frankly, not all out of the ordinary, that, that, that quite frequently that happens, that, that suddenly and inexplicably, even as perhaps friend and family try to make some sense out of a, a tragic situation unfolding, in a marriage relationship, all of a sudden shift blame to one of the partners. In, in my example, 
to the spouse and suggesting that somehow, well, the spouse must have been deficient. If she had only been more attentive, if she only had dinner on the table on time, he would have never been motivated to uh, to satisfy the wandering eye. And now suddenly it's not the man who's guilty of adultery and and bringing that into the marriage relationship, but rather somehow, well, the spouse just wasn't wasn't a very good spouse. Yeah, I was shaking my head as you were as you were saying that. It's, it's, I shake my head every time I hear it, and it's sad how often we hear it. People just don't understand, and it's tragedy, indeed, and trauma, like you said. We call it betrayal trauma. And, and this sense of betrayal, I mean, not only is it bad enough that you've been betrayed by your spouse, but then to have people kind of... Again, you know, I, I'm going to cut them some slack and say un, unwittingly and, and ignorantly, but nevertheless, sort of pile on. And, and now all of a sudden, instead of that person at a dark moment in their life and in their relationship that, that needs people that can help come alongside and give a sense of support and and uh, steady uh, steadiness during a, a time of absolute utter uh, upheaval and, and 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 certainly for a lot of women particularly if they are an individual that spent a lot of time in the home maybe they've not been out in the working world a lot so they've been raising mm-hmm. a child and and all of a sudden every aspect of their life is suddenly destabilized not only their marriage relationship but even their their own sense of of physical well-being and security and what do we do in the church instead of coming along and 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 trying to pour some healing oil on the water we just we just wind up piling on tell us a bit about that sense of betrayal trauma what what it means how destructive it can be towards intimacy and marriage and how does all of that tie in to this very special workshop uh, taking place in Irvine coming up February 24 through 26 right so when we have an intimate relationship that's founded upon a covenant and trust, and we believe in that covenant and trust, and so when that's been broken and we find out that someone has betrayed us, and maybe it's repeatedly in the in the case of sex addiction, um, it's as if your world completely gets shattered 100%. And then all the layers on top of it, like what you're talking about, people under not understanding, people blame shifting, um, even the betrayer blame shifting so that they don't have to look at their own actions. Um, it, there are layers and layers and layers of trauma, spiritual trauma. Why did God let this happen? Uh, the people in the church that don't understand, the lack of support, uh, the, 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 the fact that marriage is so heralded within the church, sometimes over individuals who are being abused. So it's really sad, but we have a place for women uh, to come, and it's called Restore. And when women come to Restore, they are met with hugs and understanding that we get it. We've been there, we understand, and this is a safe place. So they walk through that door, and we've got smiles on our faces because we know what they're going to look like on Sunday. But I'll tell you, when they walk through that door, they maybe they're just beat down. They've never maybe even told their story before. And so what they'll do is they will sit in main sessions where we speak and, and we talk to them and we give them tools throughout the whole weekend. We tell our stories. But right at the get-go, they are understood and they know they're in company with people who get it and have experienced betrayal. There's not a therapist there that hasn't experienced this. And we designed that's by design. 
so that they know that we get it. And then they go into a group with um, six or eight other women and they tell their story. And maybe it's the first time they've uttered that story. Those stories of what's happened in their marriages sometimes is so shameful, they carry the shame of it. And um, sometimes they've never even uttered those words. And what happens when we don't utter those words is, is we um, stay in isolation and it starts getting really contorted in our brain. Uh, something happens with connection. We're big about connection at New Life. And something happens when people go, yeah, me too. We're here too. We're here together. Um, and this, this great uh, thing starts happening where empowerment starts happening. And they'll go back and forth between those, those sessions, those group sessions where they're loving and hearing each other's story and speaking truth to each other. And then here's some more truth, some more tools. We load them up on the tools for this journey that they didn't want and didn't sign up for. And I want to contrast that with, I'm sure, what is the the normal scenario where a woman goes through this experience and then suddenly in that moment there is not only extreme confusion and fear and shame that leads to isolation. Uh, and, of course, you know, you, you, you're embarrassed to say anything. The guilt there says, oh, I can't make, make uh, anything public about this. And then when you get into that isolation, all of a sudden it becomes almost like a, an echo chamber, I would imagine, that many of the lies that the enemy is telling you get repeated in your head over and over and over again and and, and before you know it you've got yourself thinking that yeah well maybe I did do something wrong yeah I I should have been more attentive I should have had dinner on the table at six o'clock I you know all of the litany of of excuses that the enemy uses that suddenly in that isolation you start to agree with and before you know it, any sense of self-value or self-worth just gets completely destroyed. If you've just joined us, Stacy Sadler's with us. She is a Restore Workshop co-presenter, and she'll be um, speaking at the upcoming series of the seminar, rather, coming up February the 24th through the 26th. It'll be taking place in Irvine, California. I realize you say, well, Craig, wait a minute, that's kind of south of here, isn't it? Yes, it is. But we felt that uh, that this was so valuable that we wanted to make sure that listeners here in Northern California were aware of it. Because you know what? Uh, just a short airplane ride or a, or a drive down for six hours could literally change your life. Details available on the web at newlife.com. Just click on the Restore, R-E-S-T-O-R-E, the Restore tab for more details. Again, the dates will be coming up February the 24th through the 26th in Irvine. Um, It'll be uh, hosted in a hotel very near the Orange County Airport, so it's an easy in, easy out coming from uh, San Jose or Oakland. Again, on the web at newlife.com. When we come back, we continue our conversation with best-selling author and presenter and um, Stacey Sadler. We're going to talk a bit about this this notion of um, some women buying into the lie because they're just simply trying to gain some sense of control back of a life that feels like it's spiraling out of control. That part of the conversation as our visit today with Stacy Sadler continues here on KFAX. 
And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. You, you know, some might call that brilliant ad placement. <laughs> I'm just going to say they're they're trying to steal Stacy's and my thunder. Welcome back to the conversation. You just heard a promo for this upcoming workshop again, February 24th through 26th in Irvine. Details on the web at newlife.com. Click on the restore tab. That's newlife.com. Stacy, one of the, the issues here, I would imagine, for some women, you know, beyond kind of being into this place of isolation and fear and shame and so forth, I would respect or expect, too, that to some degree, some of the so-called self-talk that glows along the line of, well, if I'd only paid more attention, if I'd only dressed nicer, had dinner on the table more often on time, all of this. I wonder how much of that is kind of a coping mechanism in a sense that a woman suddenly feels as if she's losing control of her entire relationship, her life, all, all of that, that, that supports who she is as an individual. And so I, I have to wonder if some of that false self-talk is an attempt to gain back control by saying that, well, it's my fault. I could have handled this, but I didn't. So it's not really his thing, him misbehaving, him acting out of line. It's all about me. And so suddenly there's that perhaps false sense of, of renewed control there if we just take all the blame on by saying it's what we did. Well, it certainly is implanted by the enemy, and it certainly has a lot of power. In fact, it happens in trauma of all kinds, where there's a, there's a false belief that, that we say what, what wires what fires together wires together, and it's it's in our brain. And there's um, beliefs that we really hit hard over the weekend. What is it that you're believing? What's the lie you're believing? I'm ugly. I'm fat. I'm undesirable. I'm not good enough. I've never met a partner of a sex addict or a betrayed partner that 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 doesn't have the belief I'm stupid. Like, how could I not have known that he was sleeping with prostitutes? How could I not have known that he was going to massage parlors? How could I have not known that X Y Z was happening? And they and the rational and rationally they know the answer, but their head and their heart don't match. And we have to work hard to help them. Um, speak truth to the into them, help them realize what the light are believing us. Sometimes, not always, this is something from childhood as well that's just been ingrained from childhood. And so it's like, wow, sometimes we even go way back and realize, hey, this has been a, a life-defeating belief that you've had for a really, really long time. And the difference when we walk away from that weekend is these women actually are standing on some truth and they can see their eight other sisters' faces speaking truth to them, and it's emblazoned in their minds, and it truly causes life change. There are little, little things on the door that says, warning, entering here will change your life, and it truly, truly does for these women. Hey, let me ask you this, because it, it dawns on me that there may be some eavesdropping on our conversation that would say, Stacy Craig, I, I hear what you're saying, but you know, at this point, I've come to the conclusion that, that this is beyond repair. In fact, we've already filed divorce papers. Maybe we're already uh, separated. And so uh, if there is little, if any, hope that the marriage can be um, healed and restored, uh, what do you say to the woman who says, well, why should I even bother with this? 
Well, because it affects you. Um, I'm that woman. I'm a woman whose marriage did not survive the trail. And I still, it's still my responsibility to heal from it. Or, or I wouldn't be thriving in the world today because trauma happens to you whether you want it to or not. And it's not just if you're staying with your partner. So if you want to live the most free, fulfilled, empowered life that you can, you got to do your own work. Um, and if you ignore it, it's going to come back. It's going to come back to get you. So uh, our, our workshop is geared for both married people, separated people, and people that are divorced or divorcing because we know that this, this thing takes casualties. So we're prepared to, to deal with it all. And um, Laura, the other speaker, her marriage survived. Mine didn't. Uh, but we, we both offer hope either way. And we've, we're thriving. Um, no matter what happened in our marriage. And I know she'd be okay if her marriage didn't, didn't survive in the long run. Not, not after a lot of pain, let me say. <laughs> the journey is full of grief either way um, for lost dreams and all that kind of stuff. But we're prepared for those women that just don't even quite know which way is this going. I don't know. In a moment, before our time wraps up, I, I think the one thing that we need to answer for listeners that I, I are undoubtedly fascinated by the discussion and certainly want to find healing and to be restored and yet might say, I'll be honest with you, Stacey, I'm just, I'm just terrified. I mean, th- th- there's been so much guilt and shame heaped upon me uh, to, to travel to Irvine and attend a workshop with a bunch of strangers for a couple couple of three days. I I don't know what to expect or what's going to be asked of me. Give us an insight. Well, um, I'm coming all the way from Texas. If I can come from Texas, you can just jot on down to Southern California. (laughs) But we have women that come from all over the United States, and it's worth it. Um, And so we only do it three times a year. You'll miss an opportunity, and you're worth it. Because what they will expect, what they will get is freedom empowerment, answers. We're going to load them up with so much, so many answers. Where do we set the bar for our husbands? What is it that, that he needs to do? What should I require of him? They learn how to set boundaries. They learn what a good recovery program looks like for their husbands and how to put words to it and how to ask for it. So they come home empowered with a plan of how I'm going to attack this differently. Maybe I'm going to ask something from him. Maybe I'm going to ask for him to go to therapy and see uh, a certified sex addiction counselor. Or maybe I'm going to have him do a full therapeutic disclosure and get to the bottom line of the truth. And we deal with those fears that are there. I promise that they will walk into a group of women that are loving and understanding, and they'll get the answers they're looking for. Again, we'll mention that um, this... um Retreat is coming up February the 24th through the 26th. It'll be at a hotel nearby the Orange County Airport. So uh, easy in and easy out from the San Francisco Bay Area. To get uh, details and reservations, you can simply go online to newlife.com. That's N-E-W-L-I-F-E dot com. Click on the Restore tab and that'll get you more details and uh, information on how you can sign up it may be the first step toward completely changing your life our thanks to stacy sadler restore workshop co-presenter board member of new life and uh, stacy thank you so much for spending some time and a bit of your story with us today Thanks for having me. All right. We'll take a time out here. When we come back, we're going to turn a a bit of a corner and talk about the stages of faith. 
what that looks like to you and me. Best-selling author Dr. Latane Scott joins us next as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Of the myriad of topics that are discussed almost ad nauseum throughout Scripture, most certainly the topic of faith is a critically important one. In fact, there are books that have entire chapters that are referred to as a hall of faith and discussion of of such matters and the pivotal role that, that faith plays in our relationship with God in our everyday lives. But what exactly does the faith journey look like? We know that if you have the uh, the mustard seed of faith, you can move mountains. We know that um, through faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And, and yet, faith is not necessarily just a one-time experience, but Many refer to it as a journey. Many talk about it as a layered journey. And if so, what do those layers look like? And what do they mean to our own faith story? Well, Dr. Latane Scott joins us now with some insights. Dr. Scott is an award-winning author, more than 30 books to her credit. She has a Ph.D. in biblical studies. Um, probably most notably you recognize her as the author of Under the Banner of the Mormon Code. We've discussed that program, uh, that, pro- that book with her on the program here several times. Her latest book, based on the topic of faith, is called The Hinge of Your History, The Phases of Faith, now available on Amazon. And Dr. Scott, great to have you back with us. Thank you. Always a privilege. Let's talk talk a bit about this whole matter of of faith and faith journey. And when when we talk about faith, you indicate in your new book that there are essentially um, three styles or three phases of faith. Tell us exactly what those are. Craig, uh, this has become so much uh, a vocabulary at my church, even among the young people, that they talk about these three phases. Uh, The first phase of faith is when you have either a promise or a command from God, and then inevitably comes up the second phase of faith where there are contradictory circumstances that make it seem impossible or unlikely that you can keep that commandment or that God will keep the promise to you. And how you act in that middle phase of faith, the contradiction, determines how God resolves that situation for you, how he, um, how he responds to your behavior in the middle of that. So I call it faith mapping because when you realize that on the trajectory of your life, you're going to have, you call them layers, but you have sometimes even cyclical patterns of this PCR, promise, contradiction, resolution. Sometimes they overlap. Sometimes, as you said, they're layered. But this is where we get to prove our faith. It's in the middle contradiction stage of our faith. And looking at phase one, the promises of God, of course, we access those promises through his word. Uh, 
but then seeing that come into application in our life and oftentimes circumstances that seem to overwhelm, overpower, contradict, as you say, uh, that that faith promise that we understand from Scripture. And my goodness, the, the, the Scripture, both Old and New Testament, is just filled with dozens of individuals and stories that, that speak of, of great men and women of faith who nevertheless have their faith challenged in that moment of life circumstances that seems to run contrarian to those promises of God. And I guess those are the times when not only is our faith stretched the most, but also grows the most. Oh, absolutely. And it's the time when we get to prove what we believe, um, whether or not we really believe those promises. And we put our money where our mouth is. I think a lot of people, and I was one of them, dreamed when I was young about being able to go out into the arena, you know, as a as a first century Christian and be able, being able to proclaim my faith in, in Jesus Christ and not bow down to Caesar and stand up to the lions and all that. But we pass over the everyday opportunities we have to speak up for the Lord and to show that we believe that His promises a blessing in every circumstance, that promise of Romans eight twenty eight that he will work together or energize together every event for our good. If we really believe that about the promises of God, we would act differently in our smaller contradictions that don't involve being out in an arena, but being in a conversation with uh, with uh, an unbeliever or sometimes even with believers. Mm. Talk to me a bit about that that sense of growing and, and stretching. And, and it's interesting because the, these these three layers would be incomplete if it weren't for all three components because there are critical aspects of growth in our relationship and deepening our understanding that in, in many respects not only helps us to better get to know God and his character, but also to strengthen our own sense of faith for other challenges that we may face that lie ahead and we can think and Back, draw upon our past faith experiences and say, yeah, I know God's going to pull me through because he did it here, here, and here. And we not only see those stories, of course, in Scripture, but even more powerful, I think, when we've experienced it um, in, our, in our own lives. When, when we are looking at the supposed contradiction, when the circumstances seem to be running contrary into what we know are the promises of God, in that kind of teaching moment, there's really a couple of things going on, isn't there? And, and I say that, uh, Dr. Scott, because it would seem to me at one level, the Lord is drawing us into exercising more of our faith, while at the same token, the same token, the enemy is attempting to try and break us down and, and, and essentially destroy our confidence in very God himself by saying, well, you know, if it were so, why are you in this set of circumstances then? <laughs> That's absolutely true, and and um, I have come to realize through um, some very difficult circumstances in my own life that God is treating me as a daughter. That's what it says in Hebrews and in Romans both, that, that when you have contradictions in your life, when you have trials, remember that you're being disciplined by God, and it's always for your good, and it always depends on your concept of His character. If you believe that He means you good and not harm, that he has promises that he makes and can enact, then when these things come up, you're going to realize, hey, I have to have a different um, attitude about mm-hmm. that. And 
I have had such great peace in my life, Craig. Um, my husband and I were were uh, fairly wealthy people. He was an insurance agent, and he was struck down with Guillain-Barre syndrome. And do you know what that is? I, I do indeed, and it it can be life debilitating. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, for your listeners, if you've had any kind of uh, an inoculation, you have uh, signed something above a dotted line that said that you're willing to get Guillain-Barre from a shot. People get him some infections, which is what my husband did. You can get it from viruses. And in my husband's case, he was intubated and unconscious for months. And when he came out of it, um, he was uh, paralyzed. He got back some of his function. But he and I discussed this, Craig, and he said, you know, God is giving us a chance to live out our faith. And this may have been the best thing that happened in our, what ended up being 46 years of marriage, was being able to, to show our trust in God in difficult circumstances. Because he was an elder in the church, you know, he was a prominent businessman. I've been writing all these Christian books all this time. And people looked, I, I knew that people were looking at us, and it wasn't an act. It was that I knew that if God makes promises, and I can do what he says in the contradiction, and I have some very specific strategies that I did and that I help other people do, if I can hold on to those strategies and do that, then I'm not just going to have um, the outcome of his favor, of God, but I'm going to have peace, and I have had such enormous peace and joy through these, these circumstances. And even though my husband passed away, the enemy of Guillaume did not uh, did was not the contradiction. The contradiction was the possibility of losing our faith in the middle of it, and neither of us came near that because we were protected by our absolute assurance of the promises of God. So what a joyful thing. What a, what a wonderful thing. And it really ultimately then is not the, the, the trial so much of the circumstances directly in and of themselves, but ultimately how we respond to that set of circumstances. And of course, <laughs> how we respond really, really takes us to that position of where then God is able to step in and and prove himself, demonstrate that he is without without change, that his word is, is yea and amen forever and ever as it was in the beginning, so it is today and ever shall be. How do we move into that place? We'll talk about that next. Best-selling author, Dr. Latane Scott, with us today. We're talking about her latest book, focusing on the phases or stages of faith. It's called The Hinge of Your History, The Phases of Faith, newly available through Amazon.com. You can check it out online. Just do a search for The Hinge of Your History, Dr. Latane Scott. We'll take a time out back to more of our conversation. How do we go about then experiencing that third phase? That's coming up next. Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Yeah, they say I'm a tough act to follow. Welcome back to the conversation. Visiting this evening with Dr. Latane Scott, award-winning author, more than 30 books to her name. She has a Ph.D. in biblical studies, and we're taking advantage of uh, that Ph.D. tonight. She's penned a new book called The Hinge of Your History, The Phases of Faith, available, as I mentioned earlier, on Amazon.com. And as we look at the phases, certainly, 
certainly understanding, reading, absorbing the promises of God first and foremost. Phase two is going through that life circumstances where all of a sudden it hits you and it feels as if in the middle of the moment of the experience of the thing, whatever the thing might be, that you're wondering, those those promises I met, read, what, what happened to all of those promises? Well, God is gearing up to bring you to the third phase. And let's talk about what that phase is, and, and most importantly, Dr. Scott, how can we get there as quickly as po- <laughs> as possible? <laughs> oh, I was just reading in Acts today where the apostles told the, told the new believers you're going to have to go through many trials to get to the kingdom. Yep. A royal road. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> nice, nice try. <laughs> but I give people strategies, and one of those strategies is to... Um, you have to know the promises of God because you're always going to be disappointed in the middle of a contradiction if you don't get what you thought you wanted at the end of the process that God never promised you anyway. And a lot of people are, are, are lose their faith in God because they get into a situation that they think God has abandoned promises that he never made in the first place. You know, we were never promised the American dream. We were promised afflictions and scourgings and hard times. And because in our culture we haven't had those, we come to expect them. And we're, we're insulted when God lets, you know, someone uh, who's been a good Christian their whole life suffer in any way. You know, we, we spend our whole lives trying to avoid suffering instead of, you know, looking for the, for the good in it. But I was thinking, um, Craig, about something, and, and this occurred to me, that in a resolution, you can either get an outcome where the circumstance that was the contradiction changes, or you can get an effect. And this is what happened with Paul. Remember, Paul had that thorn in the flesh. Oh, yes. And he prayed to God three times, and he said, you know, uh, take this away over and over again. And the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you because my strength is made perfect in weakness. And he realized that he was getting an effect. He didn't get the resolution of having the thorn taken away. He got the effect of receiving the grace of God and for God's strength to be made perfect in him. And so he says, I'll, I'll boast in my infirmity so the power of Christ can rest on me. And I'll take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches, you know, persecution, distresses, because the effect that, that it has on me is that when I'm weak, I'm strong. I mean, what a, what a wonderful understanding that keeps us from being disappointed or turning on God when things don't go our way. Well, not only that, but what a difference in terms of the dynamic of the relationship. It's one thing to pray and say, Lord, here's a set of circumstances. Can you please help me get around it? Mm-hmm. Which, you know, it's human nature. You know, we, we want mm-hmm. to avoid uh, being stretched and pain and discomfort mm-hmm. and things that don't go our way. So the prayer is, God, just help me get around this. Mm-hmm. When maybe the prayer ought to be, Lord, please be there to help me through this. And in that through process, it drives us closer to God, closer to his word. We learn more about his faithfulness, about his His. Um, his word, his character, all things that we would never be exposed to if God just simply waved his uh, celestial magic wand and said, okay, I'm going to help you get around it. Make sense? You know, that's a very good observation. And I've had to go even a step further. 
um, I met a woman named Dr. Janet Zudina. She's not a believer. She's a spiritual person, but she's a leading brain researcher. And she showed me videos, so the first videos that were ever taken of the human brain firing neurons and forming neural pathways. And she told me something very important. She says, especially with gratitude, if you can get your um, your thoughts in a channel of gratitude, that you will fire along that neural pathway with more and more gratitude. And so the most effective tactic that I've had lately since I met Dr. Sedina about four years ago and going through, you know, this nine years of my husband's illness and, and uh, you know, loss of all our possessions, et cetera, I learned that if I can activate my neural pathways with praise, everything looks different. Now, that is unnatural and hard, <laughs> and I'm getting good at it, but I'm not great at it. To, to, to train myself that when something comes up that is a contradiction to the promises of God, and I know it's a contradiction, to say to the Lord, Lord, I don't know what you're going to do with this, but I know you're going to do something good. And I am grateful to you for this particular circumstance. I'm grateful because it's going to be a chance for me to come out of this with a different, uh, not maybe not outcome, but a different effect of my relationship with you. And Craig, I, I, I swear to you before God and all listening uh, entities that has made an enormous change in my life. I thought I knew how to do faith before, but I didn't know how to do faith with gratitude and activating my neural pathway. Mm, yeah, and, and you know, the other thought that, that comes to mind, you talk about this this aspect of the, the process that we go through as being unnatural and hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly that's a big part of the, the avoidance that we'd like to have in God helping us get around something as opposed to taking us through it. But when he takes us through it, isn't it true that we move from the unnatural to the supernatural? That God is able to do things in our life that that not only adds to our understanding of his character, but most importantly, um, helps heap upon us additional testimonies that we can share with others. Craig, I'm going to steal that. (laughs) From the natural to the supernatural. That's really good. (laughs) Thank you. That was really good. Yeah. Absolutely, and and just that that's another source of that peace, you know, that uh, lots of bad things have happened to me now in my life, a lot of traumatic things, but I can, I can look back and say, I see what you were doing there, even though I didn't perceive you at the time, yeah. and that gives me courage for the next time, just like um, Abraham, and, and my, my book focuses on Abraham and Sarah, here are Abraham and Sarah who saw a living child come out of Sarah's dead womb and when years later when Abraham has to take that child up on a mountain to offer him as a burnt sacrifice he already knows that God can bring life out of death he already, he's already seen it so that's what God does with us he builds up this inventory this bank, this warehouse of uh, experiences in our life where we see him coming through and we can say to somebody else I can't promise you an outcome in this situation, but I promise you, if you be faithful, you'll have the effect that you really want. And the effect is much better than the outcome. Yeah. 
And and sometimes we need to remind ourselves, too, as we try to kind of um, uh, almost, and I hate to say it, but there are some people that have the attitude that uh, uh, God is almost sort of a, a cosmic bellhop up there in the mm-hmm. sky, just, you know, waiting for us to, uh, to uh, you know, bark our orders and for him to respond to our beck and call. And that's a tragic way uh, mm-hmm. to look at uh, that relationship and, and far better to say, God, I don't know, I don't understand, but I'm sure glad you're in charge and I know that you're going to take me through this and we're going to get through this together and at the end I'll be closer to you know more about you understand more about your heart your character and you know I'll leave you on this note um, Dr. Scott you know for, for years and any of us that have been in, in the faith for a long time maybe we grew up going to uh, vacation Bible school or Sunday school and and uh, we would sing that, that little children's hymn uh, Jesus Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And that's wonderful. But even more incredible for a saint who's lived for years and has developed that relationship with Christ to be able to say, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And because every day I have experienced it, witnessed it, lived it firsthand. So it's one thing to get the source of Scripture to know that God loves you terribly, and I mean in a good way, not 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 in a bad way, uh, in the old King James terribly fashion, but to also know that you know that you know because you've experienced it, you've lived it, you've walked it. And I think that's that's the kind of journey that God wants to take us on and the kind of experience that he wants us to have with him. Dr. Scott, thank you so much for... Um, carving out some time to be on the program tonight. I want to encourage listeners to um, get a copy of your new book, The Hinge of Your History, The Phases of Faith. It's now available on Amazon. You can also get more information online at Dr. Scott's website at latane.com, L-A-T-A-Y-N-E, latane.com. Dr. Scott, thanks again for the time. Thank you so much. Six o'clock from KFAX. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.